Hey everyone, I'm Nate Fancher, and this is the CMB Podcast, session number two. Welcome to the CMB Podcast, a podcast designed to serve people of faith who make music. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you in your musical craft, then look no further. ChristianMusicBlog.com is all about helping you think differently about creativity through eyes of faith as you learn how to establish healthy musical habits and disciplines, fueling your creativity and making you more prolific for the glory of God. And now your host, Nate Fancher. All right, this is the CMB Podcast, the second session of the CMB Podcast, and I'm really stoked about this particular episode because we have Rick Kua as the main part of this episode, and so I want to get to that as soon as we can, so I want to um, move quickly here. There are a few things I'd like to say here at the outset. Um, If this is your first time listening to the CMB Podcast, I want to give you something just for listening. Go to freemusicgift.com. That's a link that I don't share anywhere else. I don't have it at my website. I don't have it um, out and about floating around. The only way you can get there is if you listen to the podcast. And um, on that landing page, I've put a couple of things there that I think will bless you if you are a person of faith who makes music. And so go to that, freemusicgift.com. Thank you so much for listening to the CMB podcast. All right, number two. We are a growing tribe of people of faith who make music, and the website has been um, tweaked. It's being worked on. We are hoping to launch this summer no later than June, and um, I've been gathering emails, people just signing up who are eager to learn more about the practical side of making music as well as the philosophical uh, ministry side of making music. And I want to share with you an email that I received from one of the the writers, one of the CMB writers. Um, His name is Ryan, and he writes this. I I think it's a great email. I've I've been getting a lot of emails like this, and I want to share with you uh, what he wrote. He says, Hi, Nate. Hey, Ryan. (laughs) Hi, Nate. In my context, my greatest hassle is finding sources of good feedback to help hone my craft. I am particularly aiming at songwriting for corporate worship so the people who eventually use my songs are, for the most part, non-musicians. Therefore, I have actively sought the feedback of honest, trusted non-musicians who are in or who know our context well. But, to develop personally, I feel like I lack input from musicians in this area of constructive feedback for songwriting. There seems to be a real vacuum in this regard, and I suspect that I am not alone in this. Cheers, Ryan. Well, he suspects right. He is not alone in this, and I I think this is a common struggle for many writers, for many music makers. And so I want to take a second and just talk to you about writing communities and a vision that I have for ChristianMusicBlog.com. One thing that I'd like for us to start doing is interacting well, before the before the site goes live, we're interacting over email and we're talking about ideas and thinking about things. But I would love to um, explore practical ways to develop local communities of writers. Now, there are some things right now that are currently going on. And, and actually, if you're listening to this and you're part of a local church, you might already have some things happening. And if that's the case, then that's awesome. And I would just encourage you to continue doing that 
But it's not the case for everybody. And sometimes it's pretty hard to rally people and to get people motivated and to then stay consistent. I've, I've, I've found that that's really the hard thing is staying consistent. So in this um, conversation with Rick Hu that I have, he brings up a couple of things. There's one thing he brings up on finding local chapters of like the songwriting associations that are out there, like NashvilleSongwriters.com, for example. And um, I'm going to include some of those links in the podcast show notes here. But, um, and I'll bring those up again at the end after the conversation with Rick. But having a community of songwriters is so important. You need that feedback. Um, Ryan is not alone in this. Us as writers need to rally together. We need to know how to encourage each other. We need to know how to um, get feedback and not be insecure about our songs. And if that's in a local way, that's awesome. And so obviously over the internet, we can do some things, but you really need to have face-to-face meetings. Um, Another subscriber to CMB um, was also writing to me, and I found out that she actually lived in my um, my neck of the woods here in North Carolina, and um, it was inspiring to talk about some of the ideas that we could probably do here. And I hope to to um, share those ideas with you guys along the way, and and just grow in our ability to create tribes locally that are writing songs and are growing together as creative people. Well, I don't want to take up any more time. I want to get right to this conversation that I had with Rick Kua. This was such a great, inspiring conversation, and I want to share it with you. If you don't know who Rick Kua is, Rick Kua is a Grammy Award-winning, Dove Award-winning Christian rock singer, a songwriter. Um, he plays bass. He's an amazing bass player. He's actually currently a pastor at a church just outside of Nashville. He's um, been around the block with regard to the Christian music business. He's been on both sides of the divide, if I can use that word. He's been an artist and a music executive. Um, He started his own label called UCA Records, and um, he's an awesome guy. Let me share with you, before we get to it, let me share with you one story. I was about 18 years old when I first met Rick. It was at a worship conference, and... um, was really trying to figure out a lot of things in my life. After high school, I ended up moving to Nashville. I didn't go to college and um, wanted to pursue songwriting. And so Rick Kua was one of the reasons I moved to Nashville. I thought, wow, if Rick Kua represents Nashville, then Nashville's a sweet place. Um, I didn't didn't know, though, that that Rick's rare (laughs) and that Rick Kua is one of a kind. So um, he's an awesome guy. In fact, 19, living in Nashville, had a rough day, and it was so last minute, but I called him up and said, hey, Rick, I really would would enjoy having lunch with you. Um, I, I could use the time with you just talking about some things. And he dropped what he was doing, and he said, yeah, and we had lunch together. So here's the vice president of publishing at EMI CMG, and he drops everything he's doing to have lunch with this guy who's who's a teenager from Arkansas who who doesn't really know anything. So I was blown away by that later and and continue to just um, thank God for my relationship with him. And so anyway, that's just a little example of the character that this guy has. And obviously added to that, he's an amazing songwriter who has done a lot and he has a lot to say on this subject and he's an expert. So here's my conversation with Rick Kua. Rick, thank you for being with me today, man. Yeah, good to be with you, Nathan. Good to see you after a number of years. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on the podcast today. And um, so I want to dive right in and ask you at the beginning, number one, if you can look back 
at the very first song you ever wrote. I wonder if you might tell us the story about that and uh, share, share with the listeners about that experience. Yeah, well, the very first song was a song called Kid, K-I-D. And <laughs> it was all major sevenths. Every chord and the lyrics were corny. And, but the idea was I actually wrote a song. And so I got excited back in that day. I, who knows how old I was, but, you know, so I had a song. I wrote a song and it wasn't so much that it was, you know, it was less than great. That's for sure. But it was something that showed me, okay, you can do this. You can write a song now, better melody, better lyrics, better chord changes, better structure. You know, from there I started to grow, but at least I knew I could do it. So it was, uh, it was kind of, I'll never forget that all major sevens, every single one. And I was so hot on those major sevens, I couldn't get away from them. That's great. So was that, you know, the the moment that you knew you wanted to write songs or were you just kind of having fun or? No, I mean, I was playing in garage bands and, you know, we'd play parties and do different things. And then the idea of songwriting just was, just came on me. I don't think I even purposed to do that. I was just fiddling around one day and playing changes and singing a melody and getting some lyrics. And all of a sudden it just happened. And, and as it began, I realized, wow, I think I can do this. I think I'm writing a song, you know, and awesome. so I did it and finished it and played it for, you know, probably my sisters and brothers and whoever they thought it was like I was the Beatles, you know, so they was, they thought it was great, but it was a nice beginning. It was something where I know God said through that, you can do this, mm-hmm. you know? So it was kind of neat. So would that have been connected at all to your your testimony as a believer? At what point did you, when I know you, you you're obviously you're a, you're a monster musician, you're a great bass player, you played with the Outlaws and everything, and you did all that. But was were you, I, I don't know the whole story there in terms of your, your walk with the Lord and how that might have connected to your songwriting. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I grew up Catholic and, um, you know, loved God in in my own way back in that day, but I didn't really get saved until 1977. So in the early days, I was just a, a Catholic boy growing up in upstate New York that loved music. Um, so I wasn't so convicted by writing things that were... Um, you know, not the traditional stuff Christian musicians would write. But little by little, as I got closer to the Lord, I just realized, okay, um, I'm called to do a certain thing here. And when I got saved, everything changed. How did that affect your writing? Did that did you see that actually change even the way that you wrote songs? And It was more lyrically than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I wasn't going to tone down the music. I was pretty much a rock and roll guy, and that's what I wrote. But I didn't want to uh, tone it down. I just couldn't sing about anything that went contrary to God's word. It had to all line up to the word. Even if it was a love song or about a, a godly principle, it had to line up to, uh, to, you know, it had to be, you know, worthy of praise, of good repute, uh, all that stuff that we, we read in the scripture. That's awesome. So as far as your creative process and maybe in that time when you were, you know, newly saved and excited for the Lord and, and you began to really um, write lyrics that were reflecting that, was there a particular process that you landed on in, in your songwriting that 
you maybe you did differently or, or how did that look in terms of writing the craft of writing? Yeah, for me as a bass player, uh, it happened in a lot of different ways. I play a little bit of piano, but mostly uh, if I'm going to write, it's going to be probably on uh, guitar. And so I just learned enough chord changes and melody that I could use the guitar. Uh, sometimes, though, I would just get bass lines that were very cool and from because that's my main instrument, bass. And so from there, I'd get some kind of a vibe going. Like if I had some kind of a bass part and some kind of rhythm, whether it's drum machine or whatever it was, that groove would send me down a road of completion song-wise. Oh, I, I can imagine, like, I'm just thinking of a guy like maybe like Sting or someone. I mean, these guys who are fantastic writers, they're bass play- you know, he's a bass player. But I, I know for me, like, when I'm thinking of an idea, I almost always know what the root bass line is under, underneath the melody. So I'm sure that really was huge for you. It was, it was huge, you know. And then the other thing that really drove a lot of my songs was a title and an idea. Um, you know, songs like I Can, I Will from Philippians 4, 413. Uh, just having that title and being more of an anthem writer back in those days, you know, that that was enough to just get everything flowing and get it going. Uh, I do write songs myself, but I do I mostly co-write because I love the process of co-writing. I believe that it's uh, kind of two heads are better than one type of thing. You know, and that there's a better return on the song when I can go to writers that I love what they do. And I don't do what they do. They do something unique. I do something unique. So when you bring those two things together, it's all that's where the magic comes from. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, I actually had that uh, as one of my questions for you in terms of community and co-writing. So you've been co-writing kind of since the beginning. Yeah, uh, I have. I have, you know, naturally in the early days before I was brave enough to get somebody else involved, you know, I would just monkey around with songs myself. But very quickly, I started collaborating with other people. And I love the process. First of all, I love people. So I love the fellowship of being with my friends. Mm. You know, that's just a great thing. And then it's the idea of, like, if you and I, Nathan, would write a song, you're going to bring something that, I, oh, man, I, I wish I thought of that. How many times do you listen to somebody else's song thinking, wow, I wish I wrote that song? Yeah. And that's that's what you get when you co-write. You get the idea of, I wish I wrote that song. But in fact, you are part of the song because you bring your piece to the table and your co-writer brings theirs. Uh, you know, for me, um, I can jump in on your song and your idea as a writer. I can do that. But where I really have the juice, where I feel that I am contributing my 50 percent is when I come in with passion for an idea, some lyrics, maybe some melody, a groove, whatever, just enough so I can sink my teeth deep into it. And I think then I'm bringing value to the table. Now, there's always those times where you're not going to, you know, I'm not going to get with the guys and write my songs all the time. Sometimes I'll hear what they've got. And then it's that situation of, you know, they may play a few things and it's the idea that hits a nerve with me where I'll say, yeah, you know what, let's, I love this. Let's work on this one. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it works. That's awesome. Um, what would you say to someone who's been in a dry season of writing for a long time? Um, you know, writer's block obviously is, is, is a yeah. pretty well-known phrase for songwriters. I would say it's common. It happens to all of us. 
and you got two choices. One, you can just go about other business, live your life, do your thing until all of a sudden that block dries up and you start feeling some juice towards writing again. Or you could do what a lot of professional writers do, and that is you write a little bit every day and just kind of just wait for it to return. And there's no right or wrong. Right. That's great. And actually, that kind of leads into the the next thought that I have. I know that there isn't always a one-size-fits-all technique for for writing, but there are creative disciplines that people can do. And you were a publisher for many years. You've worked with all kinds of songwriters. You know, I mean, these are professional songwriters, of course, but... but, um, you probably figured out a few things during that process as far as what, what disciplines kind of should be across the board. You mentioned mm-hmm. writing every day, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other things like that? I mean, how does someone who's just starting, who might be really beginning to do this, create and habits and disciplines like that? Yeah, I, I think what I would say for any uh, beginning writer is that if you can get some great books on songwriting, read those books. If you can, get to a songwriting workshop. Um, Go and meet other people. Maybe, you know, NSAI, the Nashville or Songwriter Association, whatever. They have different chapters in different cities. Really do your due diligence. Start Googling. Get on your computer. Find out what's out there for writers and just network and read and learn and listen to others and through all that, you're going you're gonna to be able to develop some habits that really, really are great. Now, when you're talented, which my assumption is anybody that's going to write a song has a level of talent. We all do, I believe. And I think that many times you can go in a closet or a cave and something wonderful is going to come out too. But mostly, you know, study. Like the word says, Study to show yourself approved, man. That's Dig good, in. Yeah. Like, how much do you want this? Do you want this enough to, you know, buy a weekend uh, ticket for the one of the Christian musician summits or worship leader conferences or whatever it is, and go learn from the best? You know, how much do you want this? Um, and for everybody, it's going to be different. There are the guys that do this strictly as a hobby. And then there are the guys that do this because they know they have something to contribute to the world, whether it's on a big popular recording or just um, as the song virally or organically just traipses around the planet, you know. Mm. That's good. Um, You mentioned the, the, the kind of the distinctions between, you know, the big platform songs, I guess you could say, and then and then folks who are really just you know, wanting to be faithful with what they have. And they're not, they don't necessarily have any big dreams or aspirations for that song, but they just want to see what God might do. Someone like that in their local church, what should they do? I think they should just go for excellence, no matter what, whether it's just an audience of one, you and the Lord, or just to be used in your local church, or just you let your husband or wife hear it, whether it's that or whether the song is going to blow up and go beyond your own boundaries, so to speak, uh, be excellent, number one. And number two, you just have to know that, um, you know, like it says in Proverbs, a man's gift will make room for itself and bring him before great men. Your song, if it's a great one, will make room for itself, meaning if people will hear it, 
It's like the cream rises to the top, you know? It's the same with a great song. I tell people all the time, um, if publishers can hear your song or you can play your song at certain uh, songwriter events, if that song is that song, people are going to recognize it, acknowledge it, and start talking to you about it. It's just the way it is. You can take something that's mediocre and dress it up in the fanciest clothes and present it in the most wonderful way. And if the song isn't uh, made for the big stage or for the world, then it's not going to help it. But you could grab your guitar or your keyboard and sing that song to somebody. And if it's one of those songs, everybody will light up and pay attention. It's mm. good. It's very good. As you're talking, I'm just thinking of more things to, to ask you. Um, yeah, sure. I, know, I know there are, probably a lot of um, guys who are worship leaders who may have written several songs, but have never known how to really, you know, the tension that, that these guys might face between, you know, promoting, you know, and trying to reach out and network and kind of putting themselves out there and then just kind of waiting on the Lord to open doors. Um, you're a publisher. You've been approached by, I'm sure, hundreds of songwriters and people that are, you know, doing, doing those things. And, but the music business has changed and, right. It's totally different now. So what do you say to someone in that category? Maybe he's the worship leader of his church, and he's got two or three songwriters in his church that are coming to him with songs, and, and he's got his own songs, and they're doing co-writing. There's a real movement happening locally. What, what should they do? I mean, I think they should just, um, you know, the, the expression that we've all heard, grow in your own garden, that's where it all begins. If it's in the local church, then grow there. Use those songs. Let your congregation sing them and love them. Um, and then eventually something will expand from that. I mean, it's kind of, it happens organically. Uh, what I see a lot is writers who are very interested in how to publish, how to get their song to uh, produce to uh, publishers or other artists. They're interested in all the business stuff, but their songwriting really hasn't really developed to that point yet. Hmm. So what I say is, let this let it be all about the song. Use it where you can use it. And then from there, do your due diligence, read books, go to conferences, and figure it out. Um, yeah. Now, it's a lot easier in cities that are, um, you know, have more resource. It's also easier when, you know, they've got somebody like Nathan Fancher that really gets this and understands this, uh, you know, that can help them out. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's all really relative. There's nothing that's, uh, you know, absolutely buttoned down perfectly. But it's... Um, it's good. Yeah. I'd say let the song come first, use it where you are, and then do your research. That's good stuff, man. You know, one one goal I have in doing this podcast and setting up this website is really to help inspire. I mean, it's really coming from a desire in my own life just to fall in love with songwriting. You know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. for the sake of falling in love with writing a song, mm -hmm. hanging out with people, doing a song together, and not caring about what might come of it or the fruit it might bear, you know, whatever. It's just yeah. a, a desire that I have for my own life, and then hopefully kind of um, see that spread in others. But um, that's really good stuff, man. Well, I have a few more questions about the, the, the craft of writing, if, if we can yeah. touch on that again. I'm sure. thinking of the melodic musical side. What are some practical things, some actionable things that people can do to grow in their melody? I mean, there's musicianship and maybe taking lessons and things like that. But are there daily disciplines that that might come to your mind? I would say 
um, honestly, for me, listen a lot. Listen to songs that absolutely kill you, that you love, and figure out what are they doing. What? And I'm not saying to copy. I'm saying learn from songs like that that just blow you away. What is it about that melody, that that one note against that chord, against that bass line, where you think, man, this is so fresh and cool and good. Study it, figure it out, analyze it. Um, there's a lot of writers, uh, Nathan, that write very analytically, you know, and those that's good. You can do that. You can sort it out, time it out, figure it out. Then there's guys where, like, you know, Stevie Wonder or whoever, where it's so natural, they don't need no analysis because they have this internal melodic thing that's just unique and makes them the legendary people that they are. Mm. So it's like it works both ways. Mm -hmm. Most of us are born with a certain amount of gifting and talent that the Lord gives us. Uh, the majority of us have to really work to uh, hone that and woodshed, so to speak, to make make us better at what we do. So awesome. regarding melody, listen to melodies. Find out, okay, it's a C chord, it's it's C, G, E minor, D, it's those usual suspects. So when he's playing this chord, that bit in the song where the melody just kills you, what are the notes? What's going on there? Mm. Figure it out. And the more of that you get in your head, you know, you don't want to copy, you don't want to be, you know, plagiarize somebody, but the more listening you do, the more you've got to draw from. That's awesome. I keep hearing you say, I mean, a kind of recurring theme today is just studying and learning. Yeah, yeah. Being yeah. hungry to, to grow and learn. I think that's brilliant. And, and, and you'd say the same thing, I'm sure, for lyric writing, the lyrical side of things, right? Same, oh, it's the same thing. What, whose lyrics make you nuts, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you can't really, it's hard to be a great lyricist if you're not a reader, if you don't read a lot. People who read a lot of books and literature and really study, whether it's poetry or the classics or whatever, you've got to put those words, those beautiful words in your vocabulary. Now, some of them work in the book and not in the song. Mm, so yeah. You've got to know what's kind of rock and roll poetry and what's really meant for a novel from the 1800s, you know, right, right. and put these genius words in and somebody looks at you like, what are you kidding? Yeah. It's the magic, man. It's finding that thing where you know, God really breathes on it. And uh, these words that we haven't heard a lot in songs just really work in your song with your melody against those chord changes. There's no way to teach that. You just got to dig in and learn and, and drink in as much as you can and then pray it'll happen. That's awesome. Pray it'll happen. Yeah. As you say that, I'm just thinking about a person's de uh, devotional life and how I mean, for me, some of the some of my songs that I that I'm happiest with are, are songs that really came from just me worshiping the Lord and and being yep. His presence, you know, and having my Bible open and my guitar, and, and you know, just really going for that. So. Yes, and, and that's 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 the way it does happen. I get my inspiration when I'm worshiping, when I'm listening to a great sermon, when I am in that quiet time with the Lord, just really, you know crying out to him in worship or whatever. My communion with the Lord, so to speak, is where a lot of it happens. And if I am in that place with God, that praying without ceasing type of place, 
when an idea comes in front of me, God says, right there, that's your idea. That's a type. People need to hear that concept. That's good. Really good. And this has been great. I, I have a couple of final questions to, to ask you, man, but thank you so much for, again, for being here. This is just really good stuff. What would be um, something for you that you have recently introduced into your writing process? Something that maybe in the last, I don't know, year or two or something that, that has just really been really been fresh for you as, as far as the discipline of writing songs and something you're doing practically? Yeah, I mean, for me, this might not be the answer you're looking for, but the truth is when I have a reason to write, that's when I get more most juiced up because there are seasons where I've got a record to write, whether it's my own, whether it's with Blues Council or some other friend at church really wants to write with me. Those are the times where I get inspired. Um, at this point in my life, Nathan, like most of us, the older we get, you keep adding things on to your lexicon of what do I do all day long? You know, so whether I'm writing a song or at church doing my uh, my ministry there or uh, being involved with Kingdom Bound Ministries and making sure our festival and concerts are booked right, whatever it is I'm doing, I just I shift my passion at that moment to that task or that chore or responsibility. So um, I guess I'm not really answering your question other other than to say, for me, when there's a need, Mm-hmm. When I feel it, that if I was a staff writer, I'd be writing every day. I'm not that guy. There's a lot of other things in my life, people who need me, my family, uh, other things God has called me to do. So when it starts bubbling up, that's when I know, okay, make a note of this idea or this song or this melody. And that's when it happens. Yeah, so in a way, people could maybe give themselves some sort of a project or a deadline of some kind or, or have someone hold them accountable maybe to to some something to work for, or to write for, like a need, like you said. Yeah, that, it, for me that works, you know. Yeah. I, don't, um, I don't have a lot of free time. If I had more free time, maybe I, my answer would have been a little different. But usually every day has its own uh, agenda, you know. Sometimes it's songwriting's in there, but songwriting is kind of like, the idea of it's like my my heart and mind I feel are always open and looking for an idea, and it's not that I'm um, purposing to do that. That's just who I am and how I live. Meaning, when there's something that really moves me, you know, I was in a devotion time with church the other day, and a couple of the guys, two different guys at two different times, we were going through a book study, made comments on the book. And some of the things that they said, I mean, I got thoughts and titles right out of that. It just jumps at you, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you know, very sneakily write it down so you don't have to pay somebody a <laughs> royalty, you know, and then you move on with your day. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff, man, because I know a lot of listeners are probably, you know, saying, I don't have time to write every day. I'm not a professional staff writer. I have right. kids. I got a job. I got yeah. responsibilities. Yeah. But But how do I... How do I make the most of this this gift that I have, whatever measure it might be? Yeah. But that's good stuff. And let me say something to that, yeah. too, in closing. I think this, this would be something I'd want to say to everybody out there. Um, make sure your life is in right alignment. Make sure that you're not a guy. I counsel with people all the time, women, brokenhearted, because, you know, they're, they've been married for 
10 years and they're helping their husband chase his dream of being a songwriter or a musician and they're about ready to call it quits. So guys, women too, make sure you're not neglecting the Lord. You're not neglecting your spouse, your kids, your responsibilities as providers to chase a dream because it's, it's, it will not happen that way. God will bless you when you honor the Lord by taking care of your family and taking care of those of you, those you love. Um, you don't have to chase after the song thing if you're doing every other thing right. Be diligent, read books, go to conferences, but don't fret and don't worry about it. Don't stress. Take care of business the way God wants you to take care of business, and you'll become a great writer. Solid stuff, man. I, I, you know, as you're saying that, I wonder how many, you know, how many more psalms that weren't recorded that David wrote just from being a shepherd, you know, out in the field, doing right. his, doing his responsibilities, not thinking about the king thing one day, you know, but yep. but just writing, you know, and just being with God and, and doing, but, you know, fighting off the bears and the lions and all that stuff. But um, that's cool, man. Very good. Excellent, man. Yeah. Thank you so much again for, for being with us. One more question. Um, if... I know people could probably just Google Rick Kua, um, yep. and they're going to find all kinds of stuff. But yep. is there one spot that you might direct people to? I mean, you could go to rickkua.com and find out stuff about me and uh, also uh, Blues Council, which is the uh, the band I've been with for a while. A lot of my buddies, people you know well, Nathan. You know, So at rickkua.com, that's, that's where you could really find out the most. Well, there were certainly many gems in that conversation from co-writing to how to deal with writer's block to doing your due diligence. I mean, that really stuck out to me, just focusing on the song first, not thinking about the results, not thinking about um, even really who's going to like it, you know, but just think about the song and work on that and study. I mean, there was so much there about reading and, and being a student of great songwriters and, um, yeah, so that was awesome. So now I have, um, notes for this conversation. Um, if you'd like to get details about it, including some links to websites where you can find out more about, um, like the Nashville Songwriters Association, for example, um, BMI.com has a great page where you can go through groups and associations according to your region, according to your state. And um, I'd love to get that stuff to you. Just go to christianmusicblog.com, sign up for our email list, and I can get that to you via email. Until our site goes live, um, it's going to have to be in the raw form of an email. Um, But I would love to get you these resources. Well, that's it for this session. I'm so happy you stuck with me up to this point. Make sure you go to freemusicgift.com if it's your first time listening to the podcast. There you'll find a very useful gift if you're a songwriter if you're a music fan i think you'll like it as well so freemusicgift.com in the next session of the cmb podcast i speak with lead singer and songwriter tifa phillips from page cxvi we talked about a lot of great stuff so don't miss out on that in the next session of the cmb podcast thank you for listening to the cmb podcast For more valuable content, including helpful articles and video, visit christianmusicblog.com.